And joining us now to talk about all of this is former New York City Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick. Bernie, great to have you here on the show. Thank you. You know, I want to ask you first about this alleged killer of the 19-year-old Burger King cashier. When you hear about the fact, first of all, you know, employee, but also this guy had seven prior arrests, four of them for violent incidents, um, including there was one that just was in November 30th of last year. He was arrested for menacing and assaulting a person with a knife at a homeless shelter. He is charged with a misdemeanor and released despite his violent background. Make sense of this, Bernie Carrick. Well, you can't make sense of it because these th- this stuff comes out, especially this. This is a really good example. You know, his arrest in November, um, threatening people at a homeless shelter with a knife and then being charged with a misdemeanor, that comes right out of the governor, Governor Cuomo's bail reform uh, changes that was instituted under him. We now have a new district attorney in Manhattan um, who is a basically a George Soros agent. Um, this is a guy that Soros put a million dollars into his campaign, and he is somebody that has basically said he's not going to push jail time for a number of violent offenses, including resisting arrest, which is probably one of the worst things you could do because that that basically tells all the bad guys you can do anything you want to get away from a cop, including assault, including resisting, and you're not going to be charged with a felony. Um, this is the kind of district attorney we have, and it's the same kind of district attorney that they have in Atlanta, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, uh, Chicago. They're all the same. And in every one of those cities, you'll notice you have substantial increases in violent crime, shootings, and murders. That's what's going to happen in New York City. And if people don't like what's don't like what was going on in the past four to eight years, they're really not going to like it now because this DA is locking up no one. It's going to be interesting to see what does Alvin Bragg do with this case. Well, this case is definitely going before him. I think this this shooting, this uh, homicide was actually up in Harlem, which is Manhattan. So Alvin Bragg is going to have this case, and uh, let's see what he does, uh, especially given some of his comments as of recent. But um, this case is one of many uh, that people should be looking at and monitoring and watching. Absolutely. You know, the other thing that's really disgusting about this, Bernie, is the guy is arrested, he's walked by the cops, and... Some of the people were shouting at him, you know, as he's being let out of the police station in East Harlem today. And he screams back, um, saying, where's our reparations for 400 years of effing slavery? I I mean, talk about unrepentant. It it was like audacious of this guy. Yeah, but you know what? Here's here's that's bad. That is definitely bad. And, and, you know, it's lunacy at a at another level almost. But here's the worst part of that. There are actually people in New York City that would agree with him, and they're on the city council. They are on the city council of the city of New York. So I have to tell you, you know, as bad as that is, you have to think it's so far worse when you have people 
that's on the city council. You have members of Congress, members of the United States Congress that think the same way, which is complete lunacy. So, um, you know, that's sort of where it comes from. No, you're right. And but you know what it also says to me, it's the brazenness of these people that are, you know, doing these crimes. Here is a guy, a repeat offender, um, obviously did horrible things even before this, um, accused now of gunning down his co-worker uh, because she wasn't opening the cash register fast enough. I mean, it's like for no reason, it's horrible. And yet he's sort of, you know, shouting out these, you know, horrible words and swear words at everybody. And this almost like he's entitled to be able to do whatever he wants. It's sort of this attitude of brazenness of the criminals. It's really getting out of control. It's frightening. Yeah, but you know what, Rita? That's what happens when you embolden them. That's what happens when they know that mayors are putting handcuffs on the cops, not letting them do their jobs. That's what happens when they know the district attorneys are not going to enforce the law. That's what they. That's what happens when they know that the governor has instituted bail reform laws that basically prevents them from being locked up in many cases where in the past they would have gone immediately to jail or be held on bail. Yeah, it is. You're right. And they're sort of saying, oh, gosh, I can kind of get away with this or someone's going to bail me out or someone's going to help me. That's right. You know, I want to talk with you also about the increase in carjackings that's been happening. Stunning numbers of carjackings. And in fact, you know, in New York City this week, there were three separate instances in the city, Bernie, within like less than an hour. Um, Tons of cases and as, you know, same commonality, a lot of Democratic led cities Um, in Philly, for example, up in 2021, 34 percent. They had 757 carjackings in last year alone. Um, what do you make of this um, and the fact that there now are more carjackings? is It's sort of a crime of opportunity, as you know. Well, it's a crime of opportunity. But you know what, uh, Rita? This is another one of those cases where the word gets around that these guys can get away with this kind of stuff. You know, historically in New York City years ago, when we saw substantial increases in carjackings, we would bring in federal task forces. You know, the the DEA um, work with the U.S. Marshals, work with ATF. We would create a a, uh, a violent felony warrant squad or or a carjacking unit, and basically target the people that do this, and then lock them up on federal charges. That's what should be happening, because that will stop them. That they're afraid of. They're not afraid of Alvin Bragg, the, the Manhattan DA. They're not afraid of the mayor, but they're afraid of the feds. And the more the municipal departments can bring in these federal agencies as enforcers to enforce federal law, the faster you're going to address this stuff. That's one of the problems they have in Chicago. Had they put more federal agents and agencies into Chicago to work with the local and state police, you have a lot less gang activity and gun activity than you do now. Now, who pulls in the feds? Is that uh, the mayor? Is that the police department? Who has the authority to do that, Bernie Carrick? Well, it's, it's usually the mayor. Uh, the mayor and the governor would make a request to the federal government. And, and I have to tell you, 90% of the time, the federal government, the DEA, the FBI, the, the, the U.S. Marshals, um, ATF, They'll come in and assist. They will come in and assist. Keep in mind, remember, you know, four, three years ago, 
President Trump sent a message to the Chicago mayor, I will send federal agents into your city if you want them. All you have to do is ask. We don't need them. I don't want your help. That's what she said. This year, she's begging President Biden to send the Justice Department to help her. She should have done it when President Trump wanted it. You know, because it's political, because it's a political opponent or a party or whatever the case may be, politics should not jeopardize the safety and security of your communities. And that's what a lot of these mayors said. That's why they fail. So how do they turn it around? And do you see them asking for outside help? Or do you see them, you know, basically turning a blind eye, um, trying to go again light on crime? Um, Where do you see this headed? Because this is really scary, especially when you're seeing the pattern around all these cities across the country, Bernie Carrick. Well, the the light on crime stuff is is not going to it's not it's not going to get anything done. Right. That's that's the worst thing they can do. What they've got to do is take a lesson out of the Rudy Giuliani, you know, books of, of you know, from 1994 on. And by the uh, way, out, to, out of the Rudy Giuliani, Bernie Carrick playbooks, because you were a big part of that, too, my friend. Uh, I, I was a part of it. But but here's the deal. Everybody said when Giuliani came in in 1994, there was nothing you could do. New York City's too big, too dirty, too corrupt, too crime infested, never going to work, never going to happen. At the end of eight years, there was a 65 percent reduction in violent crime, a 70 percent reduction in murder. And in the black communities where the murder rate was the highest, you had close to an 80 percent drop in murder. Don't tell me it can't be done. It can be done. But you need leadership, real leadership, that's going to put the manpower, resources, training into the communities, into the cops, get them in the communities, and then pull in the feds when you need them. So now let me ask you, of course, the $64 million question. Where do you see that going in the big cities? All right, we've got Eric Adams in New York. But even if he wants to get tougher on crime, which he seems to for sure want to do compared to de Blasio, um, but he's got Alvin Bragg. Then you go to Philly. Um, we've got, you know, a very soft on crime DA there. Um, same thing, Los Angeles, um, San Fran. I mean, you look at the pattern. How do you turn it around if you don't have Rudy Giuliani's in these cities? Well, listen, Eric Adams, you know, I, nobody knows where he's going to go, right? It's all up in the air. He's, he just got in office. Um, he, he's talking the right talk from what I hear. Um and and take keep this in mind. Um, he knows how to get it done. Eric Adams was a lieutenant that worked for me. He worked through the Giuliani days. He knows how to reduce crime. What we did back then to get the reductions we had, he knows how to do that. Will he do it is another question. As far as Bragg, I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, the mayor can control some of the money that Bragg gets. The mayor can force the state to pull back some of the money he gets. But if I was the mayor, if I was Eric Adams, and Alvin Bragg was stopping, you know, criminal enforcement and, and stop, and, you know, not not enforcing the law, not doing the job he's sworn to do by the Constitution. If I was Eric Adams, I would go to the governor and I'd say, get him out of office, pull him out. You know, they don't have recalls in New York City or New York State, I don't think. 
So you can't do to Alvin Bragg what you can do in other cities around the country. But the governor, if he is a threat to the safety and security of New York City, then it's up to the governor to do something about it. And if I was the mayor and Alvin Bragg is standing between law and order and chaos and man, well, then you know what? I'd go to the governor and pull him. No, I agree. And by the way, although, you know, politically, two things. First off, I don't know if I see Kathy Hochul doing that in an election year where she's trying to, you know, curry favor with constituents, uh, a variety of constituents in New York City. She's up against Jamani Williams. She wants to try to tap into a whole bunch of different bases across the country and people who are maybe sympathetic to, you know, criminal justice reform. And then on the other hand, we had on the show last night, Bernie, um, Andrew Giuliani, the son, of course, of Rudy Giuliani, and he is pushing to try to get a recall referendum um, maybe on the ballot somehow or trying to push the legislature, um, you know, trying to do something to that point. But I don't know if I see Kathy Hochul stepping in in an election year, do you? And I don't know, no matter how much Eric Adams screams and shouts. Here's the problem Hochul's going to have. And, and you mark my words as a prediction. There's going to be a case that she does not step in, where she does not intervene, she lets this guy go on and do what he's doing, there's going to be a case, maybe more than one, where the where Bragg and his office let somebody go, and they go out, and they do something really bad. Well, that's going to be on Bragg, but it's also going to be on Hochul. And I promise you, the politicians all over the state, they're not going to forget that. So she better think about what she's doing and think fast, because if Bragg continues down the road he's going, crime in New York City and Manhattan, one of the wealthiest cities in the country, crime is going to shoot through the roof. You're going to have lower economic development, lower real estate values, lower tourism, and and the welfare rolls and, and the crime spikes will be outrageous. Now, and boy, is that frightening, because it's already pretty bad, as you know. Um, and heading in a much worse direction, as you're talking about. And it's frightening. You know, you want the best for New York City. You want the best for all the cities across the country. Um, Bernie Carrick, thank you so much. I so much value your perspective. You've been there on the front lines fighting the good fight, and we're so glad to have you here on the show always. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you, Rita. Bye-bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.